Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 27, everyone. This is Drew. I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals, creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Good day, everyone. We hope this episode finds you safe, healthy, and in good spirits. We're one week closer to this crisis being over. We're staying positive and aviation tough. As this is the Mad Dog Madness episode to appreciate this iconic MD-80 workhorse. It's a twist of fate that our Doug, quote unquote, had to do this essential work trip, which was scheduled last minute. And he was able to book two MD-88s because for some reason, his uh, contract carrier couldn't be booked for some IT issues, so he had to book these MD-88s. But anyway, we're glad he got to do that. We are working on our first YouTube video to feature Doug's flight and to talk about the MD-88. So please take a look at that, and we'll let everyone know via Twitter and on our next episode about the video. Drew, how are you doing this week, man? I'm doing okay. You know, it's like we don't have enough stuff to deal with, but now we have a pandemic still raging, and then we have this public unrest now. So it's not a good time. Hopefully things will calm down. But I'm glad we have this podcast so we can just take a break from everything and just talk about the MD-80. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Ho- hopefully this this is a good break for everyone else too. just listen to us banter and talk geek stuff for 45 minutes or whatever it ends up being. I know we're primarily a commercial aviation podcast on the next trip, but let's quickly go slightly off vector, like several hundred miles, <laughs> that is. Yeah, so the aerospace industry delivered a much-needed diversion for us um, in these crazy times yesterday with the successful launch of the Crew Dragon aboard the Falcon rocket. This was a huge deal, guys. First, it was the first time in nine years that U.S. astronauts have been launched by a U.S. spacecraft. Recently, we've been relying on Russia since the space shuttle was retired in 2011. Second, it is the first time in the history of spaceflight that humans were launched aboard a rocket designed by the private sector. This one is by SpaceX, which uh, I believe is owned by Elon Musk of uh, Tesla. The Crew Dragon, which is what it's called, carrying astronauts Robert Behnken and Douglas Hurley, docked with the International Space Station today. And just so you know, Singapore Airlines Flight 21, Newark to Singapore at 18 hours and 31 minutes, no match for Doug and Bob. 19 hours for them at 17,500 miles per hour. So take that, Singapore Airlines 21. (laughs) Um, They didn't get four meals and life flat seats, but who cares? They're in space. Yeah, yeah. Awesome view. (laughs) I actually watched this live yesterday. And the funny thing is the hashtag Bob and Doug was a trending thing. (laughs) So maybe we should turn Drew and Doug into a a trending thing on Twitter as well. The next trip with Drew and Doug. I've always been captivated by space travel. I actually got to see a launch when I was a kid and that was amazing to see and then i tried to watch as many of the launches and landings as i could and even was watching live when the columbia disaster happened but this is a huge accomplishment for u.s space travel for space travel worldwide and it's a much needed positive diversion drew and i are always trying to stay positive and and talk about positive things and for even just a couple hours yesterday this diverted the world's attention away from everything that was going on yeah, literally everyone in the office had their eyes glued to the TV. Yeah, I'd send you some screenshots. I was amazed by what the cockpit looked like. It was completely so, sci-fi yeah. movie futuristic. Totally. That moving map they had in that center was amazing. Mm-hmm. And their their um, spacesuits looked almost fake because they looked so so sci-fi. Yeah, it looks like they were about to go golfing or something. Right. You know, on a, on a cold day. It, it, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, leave it to Elon Musk. Everything's like looks like a Tesla. Everything's simple and streamlined. So. Yeah, exactly. 
No, it was cool. Uh, Doug, I've never actually been a big, big fan of rocket launches. And I guess it's because they don't look like an airplane. So uh, I'm not that interested. But I, I really was interested when it was the space shuttle because that did look like an airplane. And I was mostly interested in the landing because, um, you know, that is plane spotting elevated, right? So I'd wait up, uh, wake up whatever time in the morning. It was usually early in the morning. It was landing at Edwards Air Force Base in California. Yeah, or or Cape Canaveral as well. Cape Canaveral, right? Yeah. Based on, and sometimes they change it, like they'd have a diversion, right? <laughs> if the weather was bad. Yeah, yeah. And I think Cape Canaveral, yes, okay. Cape Canaveral was the primary. It was the primary, right? yeah. Edwards was was one of the alternates. They're actually, I want to say there were 11 or 12, I, I would have to look, around the world. They, they had alternates around the world that, okay. that they could go to. Yeah, so if the weather was bad, they would divert to Edwards, and then mm-hmm. you'd have this whole dog and pony show with the 747 have to fly it back. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So it's almost like as an av geek, it's like, oh my goodness, I hope the weather's bad, because then I'll be able to see, you know, the 747 take it across country. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was very exciting. So, you know, I don't know, this whole thing where um, corporations are now helping or part of building the rockets, We'll see where that goes. I mean, it'll save taxpayers money for sure. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a good thing. Uh, I really do. I, having the private sector do a lot is is huge in many facets of the government. And if NASA had built the Falcon 9 and the Crew Dragon, it wouldn't have looked the way that it did. I can tell you that much. Yeah. It, it would have looked just oh, yeah. a bunch of square pegs. In, <laughs> in a, wouldn't a, that a, no, no, exactly, exactly. But then, you know, when we get to like... Amazon battleships and Delta <laughs> Coast Guard, then we need to be, all right, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'd just be advertising for their companies, right? Yeah. Congrats to SpaceX and NASA and the the whole team. It was it was awesome to to be able to watch that. All right. Well, before we get into our mad dog madness, as Drew is calling it, let's cover some news items first. And we mentioned this last week, the PIA, Pakistan International Airways Flight 8303. For those who don't remember, it's an A320 that crashed on approach to Karachi last week with 97 fatalities of the 99 on board. Flight data recorder has been recovered and the voice recorder they're still looking for. There have been some troubling developments regarding the crash, which just recently came out. The first one is that they were very high on approach. So we we talked about last week that we think that they landed and touched down without the, the gear down. And reviewing some of the data this week, it's come out that they were really high. Drew, they, they were at 4,000 feet, five miles from the runway. Yeah, and why? I mean, there isn't any weather I don't know. to take over. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. And the investigation will, will find all this. Luckily, it sounds like Pakistan is working with the French authorities because Airbus is based there. And they're right. going to send everything there to, to be investigated. So it will be an impartial investigation, which is good. Yeah. And, you know, they have the voice recorder in... I haven't heard it, of course, but um, the reports are that there were several warnings that were audible to the controllers. Yeah. The cockpit. So what are the, I mean, as a pilot, they would have gotten the gear warning. Anything yeah. else that they yeah, would Yeah, well, so 4,000 4, feet, to put this into perspective for everyone, 4,000 feet, five miles from, from the runway is incredibly high. Normally, we fly 300 feet per nautical mile on a normal three-degree glide slope. So they should have been at about 1,500 feet at three miles. So they were 2,500 feet high. At that okay. point, there is no way that you can save a landing at that point. They should have gone around. And we always say go arounds yeah. are go arounds are free. Go-arounds you are don't. Free. Yeah. If, if you're in a in a bad spot to land, the company isn't going to get bad at you. No one is going to get upset with you. ATC 
may, may be inconvenienced, but yeah. if it's an unsafe landing, go around. So these guys were 2,500 feet high and they still tried to salvage the landing. And as it turns mm-hmm. out, they didn't even have the gear down. When, yeah. we're, when we're high on approach and we get slam dunked into a place, which is a, a really quick descent, one of the things that we can do to help us get down quicker is put the gear out. As long as we're slow enough mm-hmm. below our, our limiting speed, because that's yeah. huge drag that we can put out and it'll help us to get down. Yeah. And you know, the weirdest thing, so I did hear the pilot call to the control tower and there was no panic. It mm. is just so weird. Yeah. He's, he's the control tower kept saying you're high. Do you need, mm-hmm. do you need to go around? And the pilot yeah. said, no, we're fine. We can make it. We're good. We're com- We're comfortable. I think is the, the verbiage that yeah. he used. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. So you guys will be, we'll be following this on every episode as we get more information. All right. Moving on to uh, more bad news. Uh, Latam Chile becomes the largest airline to declare bankruptcy. They follow Avianca in Colombia. Latam is a different story than Avianca. However, they, they have been making profits and they will continue to operate normally through their restructuring. This is not Latam Brazil, which is separate. That unit has not declared bankruptcy, but we'll watch that one also. Um, Latam Chile is owned, Delta owns 20% of Latam Chile with a $2 billion investment and Delta will stand by them. Uh, this is Delta's foothold in South America. So they're kind of committed to making this work. Um, side story, they were going to buy an A350 or a couple A350s from Latam. Yeah, Delta was going to get four of Latam's current A350s. And then they also took 10 of Latam's orders. Delta has canceled the four that they were going to get from Latam. They're keeping the 10 on order. Yeah. And I read a statement by Ed Bastian who said that the big reason they're doing that is just to save the company money because they would have yeah. had to refurbish the interiors into Delta specs. So they're, they're not getting rid of the, the whole order book. They're just not taking the four airplanes yeah. from Latam. And something else too, when, when Delta and Latam signed the agreement last fall, one of the stipulations in the agreement was if Latam filed for bankruptcy at any point, Delta could walk they, oh. with, without penalty. They could, they could walk from oh, okay. the agreement. Delta has come out this week and said, we're not doing that. We're, we're sticking with Latam. We're looking long-term. We don't want to take a short-term decision to, right. to walk right now, knowing that the long-term benefits are, are going to be really big for the company. Yeah. And like I said, otherwise it's a profitable carrier. Now here's a tangent. You're a Delta guy. I Now you didn't confirm this, but is your favorite ride a 787-10 as we speak? I think so. Okay. So Delta's going all in with the A350 for long haul. You've never flown one. So I think we need to do a side-by-side comparison flights on both of these aircraft. Oh, I'm in. You, you don't have to twist my arm. <laughs> so just add that to the post-COVID flight list on top of Singapore 21. Yeah, exactly. Uh, can I add the Crew Dragon on there? You can add the Crew Dragon. It's um, We just have to go back to school for 15 years. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, learn how to be astronauts. But yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> All right, m- moving on. Lufthansa, which was on track to receive $9 billion in aid with the German government getting two seats on the board and owning 20% of the airline. On Wednesday, however, the Lufthansa board was holding up the aid due to the EU demanding that it give up slots at Frankfurt and Munich. Yesterday, Lufthansa relented. They offered to give up some of the slots when Frankfurt and Munich start getting busy again. And in a compromise, they won't have to give up any of their aircraft. Now, Drew, this really surprised me. I didn't realize that Munich was slot restricted. I knew that Frankfurt was. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because working at uh, the airport, we have flights to Munich 
And it does happen very rarely where we have an issue with the Munich arrival slot. Hmm. That's been happening a lot recently. Interesting. So it must, it's obviously that 7 a.m., 8 a.m. time when all the U.S. carriers and all the flights from North America are dropping in there. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you mentioned this, it's got to be a, um, a time thing or an airspace thing, not necessarily a space. Cause I know Munich is, is fairly large and they've got a lot of real estate. It's not like a Heathrow where yeah. a lot of it comes down to the actual real estate at the airport or even Frankfurt. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. flown a lot in Europe and the slot controls are, are definitely a real issue that yeah. if you don't take off on time, you're going to lose that slot and you may have to wait a couple of hours before you can take off again, just right. because it's some of the most, bit, most crowded airspace in the world another tangent and European listeners, please write to us on Twitter, Frankfurt and Munich, right? Lufthansa, same country. Those two airports are like night and day. When I fly into and out of Frankfurt, I'm getting into a bus. I'm going through taxiways. I'm going through tunnels, but Munich is just such a breeze to connect through there. It's one building. It's clean. Not a lot of crowds. It's just a really nice airport. Have you flown through both of I haven't flown through Munich. I've flown through Frankfurt. I've seen Munich. Yeah. I don't think that we're going to offend the European listeners. I, I think that most people probably feel that way as well, that Frankfurt is, is a very difficult airport to transit yeah. and Munich is, is a breeze. And if you look at the architecture, Munich is a beautiful airport too. Frankfurt yeah. is, is just kind of piecemealed together. It's like five decades worth of construction on top yeah. of construction. Well, Frankfurt even if you have your full two hour connection time or whatever it is, you need all of that two hours. So when our flights go into Frankfurt, people want to hold it for 10 minutes. I'm like, no, you, you don't understand. Yeah. That 10 minutes is make or break for 30 people going East. Yeah. Or exactly. wherever in Europe. So, yeah. all right. So it's time for our main event, everyone. Mad dog madness. Let's talk about the MD 80 and Doug's trip. Uh, here's some quick facts before we get started on the MD-80, before Doug regales us with his MD-88 experience. Delta received the MD-88 in the spring of 1987 and was the launch customer for the MD-90 in 1989, with first deliveries in 1995. 1,191 MD-80 variants were built. 116 MD-90s were built. Now, Delta at one point operated a total of 189 Mad Dogs, which included 128 88s. 68-90s, and for a short time, for some reason, they had 1-82. All right, personal note, everyone. So I used to work for an airline that just flew MD-80s. It was called Reno Air. This was in the 90s, based in Reno, but I worked in San Jose where we had a hub, and we fly north-south routes to Southern California and up to Canada. So much fun. Uh, Let me give a quick shout-out to my friends Neil and Mark, who I met there 25 years ago. So we started when we were 5 or 10, I think, right, Neil and Mark? Uh, we made our little airline stand up against the majors. Uh, then we got MD-90s, and we were actually better as far as product. We had a better product than the majors on that north-south-west coast corridor. Now, moving on, really quickly, Doug, I know you want to tell us all about, all about your MD-80 flight. Can you tell us what the airport experience was in these times right now? Yeah, it was really strange flying. It was good to be back in the air. It had been 72 days since my last flight, which was back in mid-March when I was on a work trip that had to abort and head home at the last minute when everything really started to go into lockdown. There have been lots of times in the last several years that I've gone 72 days without flying, probably more three or four years ago or or longer. And even in those stretches, it it didn't feel like this stretch. And the difference with this one, and Drew, you're shaking your head, I, I think you probably agree, is that mm-hmm. we didn't know when we were going to fly again. 
Yeah, it's just that longing for some trip. Anything. Yeah, exactly. When, when you go 72 days without flying, you could book a flight and go at any point. This mm-hmm. was, we didn't, we didn't know when things were going to start to open up and we were going to be allowed to travel again. Well, and you can't start planning and obsessing because there's no plans. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Now, I could barely sleep the night before the flight. I, <laughs> I felt like I was a kid again. Remembering, mm-hmm. remembering back to those trips when you fly on summer vacation mm-hmm. to Europe or to go see grandparents and you just can't sleep because you're so excited. I had that feeling and I haven't had that feeling. I love flying. I'm excited to go every single trip. But yeah. I haven't had that feeling that I was like a little kid again. Yeah, that anticipation. Such a long time. That anticipation. It's probably been 15, 20 years since I had that. The, the mood in March was so much different than this. The mood when I was flying home. In March, mm-hmm. there was this fear that you could tell. In, yeah. in the airport and you and I were flying together. It seemed like yeah. the first day, nothing was wrong. Right. The second day, there was a little bit of unease and that last day was yeah. completely different. People no, were- you, I can, you know, we're just, we, I, we have really haven't recapped this or reviewed this, but when we were going from New York to LA, I was happy. It was fun. And I think, you know, we had a nice seat and everything. That was part of it, but it really hit me when I was on my way home. Yeah, on that trip because yeah, things were changing fast, right? It was it was happening so fast. That's when it that's when it hit me too. Everyone was was confused. Everyone was rushing to get home before they got stuck somewhere, and it was just this weird feeling. This time was totally different. Even yeah. though people were in masks and social distancing, there was mm-hmm. this level of optimism in the air with the passengers, with the crews, with the people yeah. at the airport. Everyone was so friendly. All the airline employees, all the airport employees were so friendly. Passengers were nice to one another. There was no rushing to get on the airplane, no rushing to get off. It was just a, a completely different feeling from just two and a half short months ago. Mm-hmm. The airports, the airports were pretty much like ghost towns, and I know you've talked about this, and and oh yeah, you see it on a on a daily basis. But I I can tell you, there's been a lot on social media in the last couple of weeks. Uh, things have gone viral this fear on the airplane people saying oh the airplanes are packed oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, afraid. I'm, I'm afraid for my life the yeah. airplanes were packed I, I the airplanes were full i was on delta which blocked the middle seats okay so all the middle seats were empty but aside from that it was full load factor so i, I would oh, call wow. it, it was at delta's 60 percent cap mm-hmm. there was no fear it, no one seemed to be afraid to be flying everyone was okay. wearing masks for the most part there were a couple people who weren't I actually heard the flight attendant go up to someone and say, okay, the gate agent confirmed that you're the person who can't for a medical reason. Is that correct? And he said, yes. And that was yeah. it. They moved on. No one, no one shamed him for not wearing the mask, whatever his medical reason was. Mm-hmm. There, there was no fear. It, it, there was optimism and everyone just seemed happy to be there and, and be flying. I had a lot of great discussions with the flight attendants and, and they seemed like they were happy yeah. as well. So I don't know if you remember when I went to Sri Lanka, when this was starting to blow up right that was february i believe yeah it was late february and i think i told you told you i was so shocked that the sri lankan airlines flight attendants weren't wearing masks i just yeah. thought it was ridiculous yeah because in this country we didn't really see it as Until, an issue yet yeah for yeah. another month after that right and these countries were getting prepared and then you know so yeah so at, at the airport itself most of the stores and the restaurants were closed some were open for takeout so i, I was able to do that on the airplanes as we boarded they were handing mm-hmm. out uh, hand sanitizer to nice. all the passengers 
Every five minutes or so, the flight attendants would go through the aisle collecting trash and hand wipes. There was no food or beverage service, but they handed out a bag with water, hand sanitizer, and snacks a couple times in the flight. And then recovery-wise, so this is a big thing, and I don't remember if I told you this, but I was really surprised how full the upgrade lists were on the flights. There were 25 people on one of my flights on the upgrade list. And everyone says that business travel is going to be the last to return, that leisure travel is going to be the first. But I fully expected to have maybe two or three people on the upgrade list. And it was like a normal, it was like a normal travel day looking yeah. at the upgrade list. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, th- I think business travel is going to come back. I know that one major airline is trying to go back to China, and I don't think it's for leisure travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Okay, you guys, Doug getting to fly not on one, but two MD-88s last week is a big deal. Why? Because they, along with the MD-90, are being retired on Tuesday. Uh, Before COVID, it was widely expected that Delta would have a send-off party for the Mad Dog, much like American did last fall for their MD-80s. Unfortunately, this isn't the case, but having one of us fly on them in the final week is the next best thing. So, Doug, I'm glad you were able to do that. What were your final thoughts? I was really poetic. When I departed Atlanta, it was raining really heavily, and it kind of set the mood. Like, hey, this is the last week of it ab geeks at least are sad and then when we landed mm-hmm. back into atlanta it was raining as well oh, yeah. so it matched the emotion kind of from start to finish <sighs> regarding the md88s delta's done a really good job of updating the interior and keeping the interior nice maintenance wise they even put brand new seats in about six or seven years ago but that said it hasn't exactly been high marks for PaxX for the passenger experience it looked pretty nice yeah it's it's not bad but compared to seatback screens on some of the 737s and airbuses and power and in the seats right it's 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 an older airplane with relatively new seats but still an older airplane so i gotta ask you so i know you're gonna tell us about the trip but so doug sent me a little snippet of the takeoff and i was i was happy for doug right i wasn't jealous but when i saw that i was like oh man i so wish i was on that plane yeah and, and that's that, that's why avgeeks love it cuz it's loud and it's clunky and that takeoff was incredibly loud now it helped that i was sitting next to the engine and the the md88 and the md90 are, are different from other commercial airplanes in that the farther back you sit the louder it gets when you're in the first row of first class mm. It's really, really quiet. There's no sound. No. There's really, there's all, you, all you hear is the wind. Yeah. Which on other airplanes, you don't really get to hear that wind. So that's that's something that I'm going to miss about the, the MD-88s. The only other airplane that I had that experience where there was literally no noise is in the front of the 747. There's no yeah. noise. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you hear the wind and you kind of hear the wheel a little bit on, yeah. the, on the taxiway. I, I can tell you going back to this loud and clunky, it is bumpy as heck on takeoff i i feel like we felt every single crack in the runway and it was okay. awesome it was <laughs> it was so so cool because 757s 737s they're they're pretty smooth on departure this was just yeah. clunky rocking in a roll and those it tiny was, struts it, it was yeah it was it was incredible the last flight was perfect we cloud surfed the entire flight those late afternoon mid-afternoon east coast summer thunderstorms that pop up with the cumulonimbus clouds and we were dodging them the entire way i had my eyes glued out the window the entire flight there was no seat back screen there yeah. was no video on my phone there was no book that, that were you sitting in the back again windows i was in an exit row right okay. over the wing right over the wing relatively okay. close to the back but i wanted to get a little bit farther forward to get a different view of the wing for that yeah. for that last flight so did you feel like it was a choppier ride than a 737 or an airbus or could, i wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say it was choppier but you could definitely feel the movement of the airplane more 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think that part of that too is just the, the design of it because the center of gravity is towards the back. Yeah. Because the engines are, are rear mounted. So the wings are a little bit farther back. Right. So it's, it's just, it's a different, it's a different feeling. I wouldn't say it was, it was choppier, but yeah. you just, and, and because it's older technology, you, just, you feel the air a little bit more. And, and that's going away with all these fly by wire, all, all these new age computer flown airplanes. This, this and the 757s are some of the last of the old breed of of paper designed airplanes and pulley pulley system airplanes yeah. now we're getting way into this we may lose some of the av geeks but last one with square windows the windows are kind of square from your pictures they are yeah because the boeing the 37 used to have it on the 300s 400s but now everything's round i think or is that just no the... that's just the interior okay the the exterior windows are still square the new boeing sky interior yeah, they've rounded the the interior part of the windows, but the exterior are are still square. You know, I wish they wouldn't do that because now you're taking some of that you're window away, so you're getting a smaller window. Yeah, were the windows pretty big? They were, yeah, and they're they're closer together on on the mm-hmm. Airbus. They're a little bit more spread out, not quite mm-hmm. like the Embraer's spread out or the CRJ two hundreds. Okay, but they're yeah, they're very close together. And the the interesting thing is, I was also I was on two seven thirty sevens with seatback screens everyone had the windows closed the entire flight because everyone was glued to their screens. Both of the mad dog flights, almost mm-hmm. every single window was open for them. Well, there was nothing to watch. Flight. There was nothing to watch. Okay. I, I don't think it was a bunch of av geeks <laughs> at the window, but people were reading whatever they were doing. They had the windows open. So I didn't feel guilty having my windows open, staring yeah. outside the whole time. Right. Yeah, that's good. Free entertainment. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to the flight attendant on my last flight. And mm-hmm. said, "Hey, this is my last time on the MD88." So she, she and I got to talking, and she kept coming to my seat and talking throughout the flight. She told me about the last MD88 flight on Tuesday, and Drew, where is it from? Oh, uh, thanks to this flight attendant, uh, it's we learned it was from Dulles. Now, you know, I don't want to say that you know all the stars are aligned for us to make the story in this video, but what are the odds? You know, Doug gets his travel restriction lifted. And he gets to fly MD-88s the week before they retire. And then he finds out on board that the last flight for this iconic aircraft is going to be from my airport. <laughs> yeah, Delta Flight 88, which is fitting. And then the, the last MD-90 flight is on Tuesday as well. Delta Flight 90 from Houston to from Atlanta. Houston, yeah. So, yes. So, you guys, I will be at Dulles Airport. And uh, I'm going to take definitely some pictures for Twitter. I'm going to try my hand at making a video and I'm going to send it to Doug and Doug is going to be like, yeah, there, we can't use any of this. <laughs> no, it's not going to be like that. <laughs> and uh, our friend, uh, Ryan Ewing of AirlineGeeks.com, big surprise, everyone. He has a confirmed ticket on this last flight. Yeah. And, and it's like, how did I know that? So I text the guy. He's in Phoenix. I'm like, are you on this flight? Sure enough. Yeah, I'm on the flight. I don't want to tell you the price of the tickets, but it's very expensive and the flight is full. Yeah. Except for the middle seats. Yeah. All right. Well, in, in keeping with our MD 80 theme, we asked for all of your comments regarding the mad dog and the responses were, were very real. Yeah. People were very honest. Uh, and I love that because we want to know how you really feel about stuff. So, uh, Steve Tao, his, uh, handle is at mileage runner. He said, I loved sitting on Americans, mad dogs in first class on the DF side there's always a few more inches of leg room and those cushy seats were very comfortable. I always rem- seemed to get upgrades back then, even when I was a lowly platinum, but those labs smelled terrible toward the end. 
<laughs> you <laughs> concur? No, no, I, I actually saw that. And I, I'm not sure. I wonder if they've upgraded them or, or whatnot. But yeah, yeah I, I don't remember that. Nomad 16, the standby pilot, we've had him on the show. He said, when I worked for Allegiant, Mad Dogs is all I worked. Never flew on one, but wow, what a way to start off my career. Rest easy, Mad Dog. Shout out to November 407, November Victor, the last one I worked. So it's really cool. Yeah, so I asked Nolan about how it was loading it. Didn't have any issues. And I'm like, that's really strange because that pit is tiny compared to a 737, you know, because it's not yeah. as wide. But then I realized he's the guy who works CRJ 200. So this is probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, and one of our other listeners and uh, he was also on the show, Nate uh, from Nate in the air. He's uh, at Nate underscore in the air. Really get great videos. And he's going to help us with our video. Uh, He said, I didn't get to fly on the Mad Dog as much as I would have liked. But we got to attend the retirement of November 982 Tango Whiskey flight eight flight 80 the last revenue flight for Americans mad dog. What a special day that was Missed the mad dog every day. Hashtag MD 80. Greg Peterson at G Pete Lex. We've talked about him quite a bit said, I always thought the MD 80s looked like a goose or a duck flying because they have a long fuselage in front of the wings, like a goose or a duck's neck. Yeah. And for those of you uh, that are old enough, you probably remember Republic airways, their logo was a duck with a long neck. And I'm like, that is so fitting. Cause the logo looks like the plane. Yeah, exactly. So and they flew, they flew MD eighties. They flew MD eighties. So yeah. Google that. And they even had a name for the duck. They called it Herman, the duck, mm-hmm. um, really nice logo. So too bad. We lost that airline. Oilers, John, he goes by at Oilers, John loudest plane I have ever been on was on a red eye from Seattle to St. Louis. Didn't get any sleep at all. Also one of the worst planes for baggage handlers. Those pits are the worst. Um, but not if you're used to working. Yeah, not if you're used to a CRJ 200. <laughs> yeah. And then at Jet Trash responded to it. <laughs> Jet Trash, it's awesome. Said, man, I hate loading those planes. What an awful design. Fun fact, the Detroit Red Wings still fly in an MD-81. And it's true. I've actually seen it when I was in pilot okay. training. They, the Red Wings were playing in St. Louis, and we went to St. Louis Executive Airport, and the airplane was, was there because they were playing the Blues that night. Red Wings. All right, Avgi. So you can you guys can start tracking that plane. Yeah. The- if you want, if listen, you can't fly on a Delta or an American MD eighty or Allegiant anymore. But go play junior hockey and then make it up to the the bigs. Get drafted <laughs> by the Red Wings and you can get a flight yeah. on an MD eighty again. Yeah, and the chances of that are probably better than us getting on uh, uh, on one. Dragon. Yeah, exactly. So try it now. <laughs> All right, one more. Uh, one of our listeners, Anil. He goes by uh, at Cheyenne. Yan. So he said uh, he forgot the best part, the little landing light that drops down beneath the wing. And I, you guys, I faintly remember this. So the landing light drops down on landing. And I think, Doug, you saw this on your flight. I did, yeah. And if, if you've ever watched airplanes land at the airport, you can always tell when a mad dog is coming in because all the other airplanes, 7.3s, A320s, et cetera, there are three landing lights. You've got one on the nose gear and then two that drop down right below the cockpit. So it's three really close to each other. The mad dog, they're out on the tip of the wing. So you've got, you've got the light on the nose gear and then you've got the two way out at the tips of the wings. Yeah. On my, my first flight on Tuesday, I was sitting behind the wing. I didn't see it drop down, but I did see it when it was down and I hadn't seen this comment from Neil yet. My first thought was, Oh man, I I forgot about that. I forgot about the light that dropped down. And so I I got a couple of pictures and, and a video of it down 
it's just one of those those quirks about the the mad dog i don't know why they would do that no idea yeah no idea yeah we'll have to go back and check the history of that yeah and i'm wondering if the 717 has that too i, I would assume so we're celebrating the the retirement of the md88 the md90 american retired theirs last year yeah. Guys, Delta and Hawaiian and a couple other airlines in the world are still flying the Boeing 717, yeah. which which was the MD-95 before Boeing and McDonnell Douglas merged back in the late 90s. So yeah. a few airlines are still operating them. Delta is going to operate them at least for the next couple of years, from what I've mm-hmm. understood. Who knows what, what will end up happening with that. But there still is a little bit of that lineage out there still. So this isn't completely the end. Yeah, so that that's a that's a pro tip right there, everyone. So that was the MD ninety five. So it really is an MD. It's a Mad Dog. It's a Mad Dog. We don't call it that. Yeah, because it's the Boeing seven seventeen. Yeah, and I have not flown one. Have you? I have several. Yeah, is it good? What do you? I I like it. Yeah. Huh. All right. So I'll get my Mad Dog fixed with that because I wasn't wasn't able to go this time. All right, everyone. So we want to take a moment to give a shout out to our friends in airport ops. We talk a lot about pilots, flight attendants, airlines. Um, We haven't talked so much about airport ops peeps. So airports around the world right now, um, they have been working closely to help us find places to park our thousands of airplanes that we're not using right now. Hopefully that won't be for long. You've been working with us to cater to our radically changed operations in the airlines. Uh, I can tell you like where I work, the airport authority has been so helpful. So I just wanted to say thank you. We know you are also going through job cuts and changes. So I know it's not easy for anyone. So I want to give a shout out to our buddies, Francis at Albany Airport Ops, who's a listener and our other listener and my good friend, Mark in Denver. Yeah, and Julia, just a big thank you to you going to the airport every day or almost every day. And and like you said, all of our listeners, but that was the one big thing that I saw when I was at the airport was everyone was putting on a brave face, whether they were happy or not, who knows what what's going on in the background. There's just so much uncertainty right now, but everyone at the airport did an amazing job of just putting on this brave, happy customer facing face, which they, they didn't have to. I mean, if I was in your position, I, I don't know if I'd be able to put a smile on every day. Well, and the these guys are going to work every day and, you know, we have a safe environment, but still it's a risk. And they're yeah, coming exactly. in every day to make, to get people, you know, to where they need to be. Yeah. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks to you, Drew. Thanks to all the listeners. Yep. So uh, as we finish up, uh, we have to mention all the stuff that's going on, you guys. So it's been, a, it's been another trying week. And now on top of being in the midst of a pandemic, we're dealing with public unrest. So without getting political, everyone, please just stop and listen to each other. You wouldn't know it, but Doug and I don't, don't agree on everything. And we always take time to hear each other out and we stay respectful. So we ask that everyone do the same thing. Uh, we have to do this as a country. Everyone stay safe and everyone take care of each other. Yeah. One of the gate agents in Atlanta the other day when we were boarding, said, thanks everyone for coming to the airport. Just remember to respect each other, love each other and treat each other like your neighbor. And it's true, yep. guys, just be, be kind, be nice, love each other. And I know there's so much going on right now, just so much uncertainty and unrest. Just stay positive and we will get through this. And on that, thanks everyone for taking another break with us during these trying times. We hope our podcast brings you some enjoyment as it does for us. We'll see you next week. And remember, stay aviation tough.
This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast or officerwayfinder.com slash podcast. I know we're primarily... Oh, you're laughing. Sorry. Sorry. I know we're primarily... <laughs> now i was just thinking about marissa and the goofballs the goofball. which i, I hope she's not listening because it'll just validate her she, name for she us. doesn't listen so we're fine <laughs> <laughs> i know you're gonna take some of this and put in the outtakes <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i do it on purpose <laughs>